0: dot com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now save 30 dollars on the american-made steel fs56 rce trimmer real steel The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lalas, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This episode, we'll be talking the beginning uh, and the end of uh, the water sports arena, if you will. Uh, Seattle's brand-new brand, Naked Attraction, who, in terms of MLS, is playoff hot and who is not? The return of Tyler Adams, quality balls, 2030 World Cup, and so much more. First, joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossey, a soccer savant, and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this September 27th in the year 2023? I am doing well. How
3: are you and where are you?
2: Well, my friend, I come to you from the uh, mountains of uh, right outside Lake Arrowhead. Uh, I came up here with a few buddies to hang out and to uh, get into some trouble, and we have done all of that. It's wonderful. Clean air. We went for a hike this morning. We've done all sorts of different things. And uh, we've had a really, really good time. So yes, I am remote today. I miss you, but I will be back next uh, next week, but need a little break. And uh, Lake Arrowhead, for those that don't know, is right outside of Los Angeles in the, uh, in the mountains. Beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, we've had a good time. As you can see behind me, I'm actually in the great Stu Holden's house. I have commandeered his little office here uh, up at Lake Arrowhead to do our podcast. And um, The I think the whole reason why I was brought up here was for the likes of Stu Holden and what I thought were my friends, Stu Holden and Rob Stone, to find a way to get me on the lake and to watch me watch her ski. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Not only did I do it, and I was peer pressured. I mean, it was like a it was like a complete uh, after school special in that they just kept they just kept wearing me down. And eventually I got out there. I am not a water skier by any stretch of the imagination. I had no clue what I was doing. They are both very, very good water skiers, both Rob Stone and uh, Stu Holden. And they assured me that everything was going to be great. I figured it out because I'm a hell of an athlete and I I, I can, you know, muddle my way through it. But it's, it's a little daunting when you're out there and uh, you're just sitting there all alone. And then the jerk comes and up you go. I was able to get up. I was able to stay up. I I, I ate some water, uh, probably a lot of water, but I had a good time. I did it once. I don't need to do it again. And uh, we're having a good time up here. But it's fun. Uh, my friend Rob and Stu say hello to you, Mossy. They love you. And uh, I am alive and well up here. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Now, you've been busy the last couple of days because did I see some photos of you and Rob Stone at a WWE event?
2: Yes, my friend Rob and I drove out to the metropolis that is Ontario, California, for the WWE Raw event, I think it is called. And it was wonderful. I had a blast. Now, this is a three-hour extravaganza when it comes to wrestling. And again, I know very little about wrestling, but Rob Stone from a young age has followed this. And this is just his ideal evening. And it was wonderful. Great lights and entertainment and the the, the people there were wonderful i will say this mossy you know and we were you know backstage because of you know we have an affiliation when it comes to wwe with fox and all that and it was wonderful i have never seen a a sport or an entity that is involved when it comes to entertainment and a self-contained one that is wwe i've never seen a better culture a more positive culture in terms of the way that they interact with people there and look there might be divas out there and there might be problem children out there when it comes to it but man oh man and it must come from the top and it must be kind of a systemic thing that they recognize that the interactions that they have whether it's with adults or with kids or anybody else out there has to be done in a positive um, and a happy and a respectful manner. And it's not just me or anybody else that they ran into. So I, I was just really, really impressed with the whole production in and of itself. And then, you know, meeting some of these men and women, um, and what they do. And, and look, there, there, there's a physical nature to it that is just amazing, especially when you're right down there in front as, uh, as me and Rob were, we had a good time. We had a good time. And then we headed up the, uh, headed up the mountain. Have you watched anything or seen anything since we last spoke earlier this week?
3: All I've got is that last night I had dinner at one of my favorite restaurants, Dantana's, this old school Italian joint uh, in West Hollywood. It's a classic. The owner is a big soccer fan, so it's always interesting to look at the wall. There's a signed Pele Cosmos jersey. Also, Eric Wynalda and Ante Razov jerseys. So, fun times.
2: Well, that, that's the gamut there. Um, I have one thing to <laughs> to watch, and I I hesitate before <laughs> suggesting this, but this is this is nuts. Uh, if you do have Max, uh, formerly HBO, Max, whatever, so it's now it's just Max, they have just you know very quietly added six seasons these are episodal, six seasons of a show called "Naked Attraction." My friends, I tell you, if you have the uh, the time and the inclination, I guess the stomach, you have got to check out this show. How this show exists, I have no idea. But I will just give you the basic premise of it. These young people come on a show and there is the one main contestant. It's a reality show. They come on. There's the one main uh, uh, contestant. And then in front of him or her are six other contestants. But you can only see from the bottom their feet, right? But they are entirely naked. And as the show continues on and this one contestant has to decide as to who they want to go out on a date with, more and more of the contestants are revealed and more and more of their nakedness is revealed. And as you keep going through stage after stage, the, the lead contestant has to Pick who he or she does not want to date, just based on the lower body, then the middle body, then eventually you get to the face, then eventually you get to the voice, and then at the end when there's only two left, the contestant has to get naked and then come out and be judged by the other two. So it is a, it is nuts. It is absolutely nuts. So if if you check it out, and people that have already watched this are, are just nodding their heads right now, Masi. I'm not sure you or anybody that listens is going to watch, but you know, if you if you want to spend some time seeing a lot of genitalia and a lot of nakedness, this is the show for you.
3: Uh, Sean Sullivan, I'm betting, will check it out. I'm not so sure if I will. <laughs> All right. Should we light this candle, my friend? Let's do it.
2: All right, there's all sorts of soccer going on. We are you know, uh, recording this on Wednesday. We have a bunch of games coming up tonight, including the final of Campionas and uh, the final of the U.S. Open Cup and uh, games that what happened today, whether it was uh, over in Italy and other places. So where would you like to start, my friend?
3: All right, we're going to start with MLS. Uh, we are taping this on Wednesday afternoon. We're going to look ahead to some weekend games and discuss the playoff picture in both conferences. But as you mentioned, There is the U.S. Open Cup final tonight, Inter-Miami-Houston, the Campeones Cup, LAFC-Tigres, also a couple of MLS games. By the time you hear this podcast, those games will have occurred, but we're not going to be able to reference them because we're taping it beforehand. So we did pick out three MLS games this upcoming weekend that we're pretty excited about. One of them is Inter-Miami hosting NYCFC. We don't know about Messi status. We don't know if Inter-Miami is going to be coming off having won another trophy, the Open Cup, but nevertheless, in terms of the playoff picture, in the east Inter miami nycfc should be pretty tasty
2: yes it shall be tasty and you know it's around about this time and maybe even the last couple of weeks that you start looking at what they would call a form guide and i i love this i remember back in the day mossy when i was with um uh in in front offices i used to print up around my office a color form guide of where we were because you start to see trends and certainly if you are a team coming down to the end of the season here you want to see a lot of green, which was what I would associate with winning uh, yellow with a tie and red with uh with a loss. And so if you're going through and looking at different teams and what they have done or what they haven't done, for example, you mentioned NYCFC, which is right on the, on the, uh, the cusp here, and they're going to have to fight. But if you go look at their last five games, for example, three wins and two ties. So they are, they are trending and heading in the right direction after what has been an underwhelming uh, type of season. The same could apply for, you know, someone like uh, Portland or Atlanta these teams that are ultimately what it's about is getting hot at the right time and so there are going to be some decisions that are made again this the uh, uh, this uh, this weekend um and when it comes to someone like NYCFC do are they are they able to stay above that line because that parody that we talk about is just Uh, it's on offer right now in every way that you want it. Or, you know, if you don't want it, then it's not on offer. But I love the fact that it's coming down to it. And for example, an NYCFC sitting at 37 points. And then you go all the way down to Miami, who we just talked about sitting at only 32. And Miami is flying right now, as opposed to someone like a Chicago that's heading in the wrong wrong direction, even though they are within striking distance of that line.
3: Uh, Incidentally, Doug McIntyre has written a great piece about Lionel Messi, his arrival. And MLS, the implications for the league, for Inter Miami as a franchise. Both uh, Lake and Littman and Doug McIntyre are churning out some great content right now. It's quite the one-two punch that FoxSports.com has going. Well, we bring you quality,
4: and
2: they are interesting. They are informative in the way that they talk about the game. And look, they they have seen it, and they know what's uh, what's going on. And this is this is a fun time to be writing about Major League Soccer as we uh, as we come down to it. You know, by the way, um, the this incredible run that Miami is on. And again, we are taping this on Wednesday and the uh, Open Cup final will happen later on tonight. And while both of these teams, uh, Houston and Inter-Miami, have qualified for next year's, what was CONCACAF Champions League, now we're calling it the CONCACAF um, Champions Cup in 2024. Both of them have already qualified. So this isn't just for nothing. This is still for that moment to raise up that trophy. And all of these teams want that moment. And as I said before, I think Houston's licking their uh, licking their chow. So both these teams are heading in a very, very positive direction. I think Houston, from an MLS perspective, obviously is in a whole lot better shape uh, than inter than inter Miami. But, you know, these are these are still games that you can use and having that moment and winning those types of games. You know, this is this is a fun type of thing to see because it will relate, I think, to what's happening when it comes to um, uh, the standings. And uh, where should we go? Which uh, which side are we looking at right now? I know I'm uh, coming to you from uh, Arrowhead here. So you got it, Moss. Let's.
3: let's Hit on a couple more games, then we'll take a look at the standings. Uh, okay. Nashville hosting Seattle. That should be a good one. Nashville seventh in the East, Seattle third in the West. Yeah, I
2: mean, Seattle, and we're going to talk about Seattle uh, off the field in terms of their branding later on in the show, because they just came out with something uh, something new that I think is worth uh, worth the time. But on the field, you know, this has been an interesting couple of years for Brian Schmetzer and this uh, Seattle team in, in what they have been and what they haven't been. And now it seems that Happy Days are here again, sitting, at, uh, sitting in third place over here in the, uh, in the Western Conference, starting to play better. And they've had some injuries over the last couple of years, devastating injuries over the last couple of years that have changed the way that we look about, uh, look about them. But I, I like this Seattle team. And certainly there is an understanding about what Seattle is when they get to the playoffs. And again, the team that you were in the regular season sometimes shows up in the postseason. And sometimes it's completely discarded when that chapter closes and you move on to the uh, the postseason.
3: The FS1 game, LAFC hosting RSL, uh, LAFC second in the West, RSL fifth as of this taping. That could change depending on what Vancouver does tonight. This is Christian Arango facing his former team. He's now leading the attack for RSL.
2: Yeah, I mean, RSL is a, a stop and start type of uh, type of team. And so when I go like, for example, if I go up and I look at where they are from a uh, a form guy type of thing, again, you'll see win and then two losses, win then two losses, win. And so they can't quite get any momentum going forward and you need momentum you need to believe that you can do some things and lafc this has not been the best version of laf lasc and as you mentioned they have campeones and uh, you know the potential for you know just a nice type of moment a positive type of moment and again establishing this relationship between league mx and uh, and mls but they have much bigger fish to fry and rsl is a team that on paper lafc should beat But this is, again, Major League Soccer, Uh, although this isn't an an RSL team that, again, if they get them on one of those dips that we have seen now consistently, then it shouldn't be a problem for LA to see. They get them on one of those highs, then it could be a problem.
3: All right. So now let's dive into the playoff picture beginning in the east. Let's take a look at these standings. For those of you watching us right now, you'll notice that six teams in the east have clinched playoff berths, Cincinnati, Orlando, Columbus, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New England uh nashville not in yet but they're gonna make it so it's really those last two spots that are up for grabs we should remind people new format this season the top nine make it but eight and nine are wild card spots right now that's montreal and nycfc and then you've got the likes of dc united the red bull chicago charlotte inter miami all still fighting to get in toronto the only team that's been eliminated the red bulls by the way 13 straight seasons in the playoffs. they're in danger of missing out for the first time since 2009
2: I mean, you mentioned the uh, the new playoff format, playoff format for MLS this season, and it bears repeating as you mentioned, eight versus nine in a wild card one-off type of game, which is what some of these teams, let's be honest, are going to be trying to get to, and that's, you know, that's not easy for some of these teams, but that's what they want to do and then if you win that game then you are in obviously the much more traditional type of final 8 on each side of the conference and those are those are evidently not evidently they are going to be two out of 3 games we did this years and years ago with the two out of 3 things and then it goes back to single games where the higher team uh the higher team hosts so MLS is still trying to find that perfect playoff scenario and maybe they will never will will, it, will it be a continuation of these things happening but for example a team like um You know, a team like Miami that we've talked so much about sitting at 32 points, only what five points off from NYCFC. You know their real goal at this point, and you just went through who's qualified. And so that Nashville hasn't qualified yet, but let's be honest, we were talking about this off off camera. They're gonna find a way. It's not gonna be a problem. So really, you're talking about Montreal at 37 and NYCFC at 37 that everybody's trying to chase to get that final spot, that ninth or eighth spot uh, going uh, going forward. And Miami, as you mentioned, has all of the uh, momentum going forward. And I just, I mean, if I look at DC the New York Red Bulls, Chicago, and Charlotte, while they are in striking distance, I, n- none of them strike me as a team that actually can strike despite being in striking distance. What about you, Mossy?
3: DC Knight is interesting to me, obviously. Coached by Wayne Rooney, Christian Benteke leading the attack. Uh, they'd be an interesting team to get in there. But yeah, I'm not sure they're going to make it. Inter Miami is a team we're all looking at. Uh, once they get this Open Cup final out of the way and they focus exclusively on MLS, if Messi's healthy, you could see them just ripping off uh, a bunch of wins the rest of the season and getting in there.
2: Yeah, and, and we always say if Messi's healthy, but they have already shown that they can compete and get points even when he's not there. Now, obviously, he's, it's better when he's there, and we'll see what what happens tonight. Uh, by all indications, he's not necessarily going to start tonight but you know who knows there's a there's a trophy on the line and there's a lot of uh, expectation and I think a lot of attention is going to be paid uh to this um where should we go now my friend
3: let's transition to the Western Conference let's take a look at uh, those standings it's a bit more bunched up together in the West St. Louis the only team that has clinched the playoff spot uh Colorado at the bottom the only team that's been eliminated but some teams can clinch uh this weekend including laFC and Seattle uh the teams that are Just below the playoff line, SKC, Minnesota, Austin, the LA Galaxy, they're fighting to get in there. Which one of those teams could you see making a move at the end of the season and getting themselves above the line?
2: KC, I could see because I think they're heading in a better direction. And Minnesota, I don't see because I think that they're heading in a downward direction. I mean, so they would have to get their you-know-what together very, very quickly, and they have not proven that they can can do that. Uh, You know, kudos to San Jose. And, uh, what they have done sitting out 41 points sitting in that eighth position, but nobody's safe. Like you mentioned, nobody except for St. Louis uh, has qualified. Now, plenty of these other teams, including LAFC, Seattle, Houston, these types of teams are going to qualify, I think, uh, and it's not going to be a problem, but where they ultimately end up obviously dictates who they are going to play in that two out of three series. That's going to come forward. And that two out of three series is going to be really interesting because it, it tends to take out a little bit more of the chance fluke type of result. That is something that people, including myself at times love to see, and it can really kind of screw up what on paper should be. This is a better team than this, uh, than this team. I I think, as I mentioned before, I think Portland right now sitting at 42 points, even though uh, that's what four points behind the line of Kansas city I mean, they're playing really, really well right now, and they're getting good, good, uh, good, good points. So, as I said, I can see Kansas City, Pippen, like Dallas, maybe even a San Jose, I mean, uh, at 41 points. Again, this is going to come down to the end. So, you know, as I mentioned, I think Colorado's obviously eliminated. L.A. is the next team, L.A. Galaxy, at 34 points, only five points behind, uh, behind Dallas, but L.A. has not shown any type of get up and go that would make me believe that they can make a final uh, final run here. So if I had to say of of the of the four teams left, Kansas City, Minnesota, Austin and LA, I mean, I'm only looking at Kansas City right now. And maybe Minnesota. Nah, just, I'm not going to do Minnesota right now. The loons have not they don't deserve <laughs> my my praise right now. And I mean, I think they'd be the first person to admit it. Of those teams, who do you who do you have making a run? Anybody? I think, Galaxy?
3: I think SKC gets in and one of San Jose or Dallas drops out or possibly Vancouver. Uh, yeah, so I'm with you on SKC. Now, St. Louis is going to win the West. Uh, and we know the great uh, fan support they have I mean, how much of a chance do you give them to get to MLS Cup or do you think come the playoffs, if they face a more battle tested team like an LAFC or Seattle, you'd still favor those teams against St. Louis? Well, look,
2: conventional wisdom and my wisdom at the beginning of the year, along with pretty much everybody else, was that if St. Louis was even competing for a playoff spot, that that would have been a successful and positive year. Not only did they do that, but they're, you know, they're winning, uh, they're already qualified and unless something really goes wrong, they're going to win, uh, they're going to win their conference. And this is, this is an amazing thing. So am I going to bet against them? You're damn right. I am. I mean, this is what MLS will do. It will break your heart in terms of the, the closing of that chapter that is the regular season and that renewal and that rebirth that often happens in the way that teams, Look at the postseason and ultimately play. So it would be it would be classic and perfect MLS for a team like St. Louis, who has been so good through the regular season, to finally come to that moment in the postseason, in the playoffs, and they go to that well. And guess what? That St. Louis well is dry. And so, yeah, I will uh, I will pick them to underperform when it comes to the playoffs, despite their incredible season and despite where they sit and you know, the fact that they will have. Uh, home field advantage unless something goes wrong. And certainly at the beginning, they'll have home field advantage.
3: All right. So that's where we are in both conferences as we hit the home stretch here. And we'll revisit all of this on our next pod on Monday.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll take a trip around Europe because as I mentioned, there was all sorts of midweek action. Don't go anywhere.
4: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services.
0: OK, welcome
2: back. As I mentioned, there's all sorts of stuff that has happened midweek and stuff to look forward to when it comes to the weekend. And as uh, Mossy, uh previewed or teased, I guess, earlier in the week, let's go right to La Liga first, Mossy, because uh, you're and I'm going to call it Girona. OK, but I know you've said Girona and there's some, uh, you know, some uh, discussion as to what we ultimately call them. But right now, what we can call them is sitting atop of La Liga. Girona 2, Villarreal 1, and that means that even though Real Madrid uh, won 2-0 right now, if you look at the standings, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Masi, but they are sitting in first place right now of La Liga.
3: Correct. And this upcoming weekend, Girona hosts Real Madrid in a one-versus-two showdown. Remember, the last meeting between these clubs late last season, Girona earned a 4-2 home win over Real Madrid, in which Tati Castellanos scored all four goals. He has since moved on to Lazio. More on him in a minute. But yeah, now the two teams score off again. And yes, as you mentioned, they both won today. Hirona 2-1 away to Villarreal. Real Madrid 2-0 at home against Las Palmas. If you'll indulge me, I would like to give a little background on this Hirona story because I do think it's interesting.
2: Well, I mean, they're, they, are, they are what we are talking about right now. And I think rightfully so. So yes, the floor is yours, my friend. Inform us. Educate us, Mossy.
3: All right. So Girona is a city in Catalonia. It's about a 40 minute train ride from Barcelona. And it's actually a popular tourist destination because the ancient quarter has been preserved. Uh, There were parts of Game of Thrones that were filmed there. Uh, So it's become a popular pilgrimage, especially if you're visiting Barcelona. It's like a fun little day trip to do. Uh, The club, Girona FC, was founded in 1930. They've been around for 90 something years. And in 2017, they achieved promotion to La Liga for the very first time. Later that year is when they agreed their partnership with City Football Group, which is Manchester City's holding company, which is up to, I think it's like 13 different clubs they own across five different continents. So Girona are part of that network. Their chairman is Pep Guardiola, the brother of Pep Guardiola. So links abound there which means they have access to a level of scouting and analytics that a club that size would normally never have. And they do get some players of a pedigree that a club like that would normally not get, players that City Football Group signs and they stash at Girona. And so they, this is only their fourth top flight campaign. They finished a respectable 10th last season. Here they are in first place, playing attractive football, scoring goals for fun. But there is this debate as to whether this actually constitutes a fairytale underdog story or if the links to Manchester City kind of spoil that. And this is actually a story of the Abu Dhabi empire extending its tentacles into La Liga. So uh, you're pretty attuned to this kind of stuff. You can be pretty cynical. Uh, what, how do you see that? Do you think there's a fairytale component here or not really?
2: Um, there's fair, there's a fairy tale in the, um, in the vessel <laughs> in the, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it should be tempered a little with the understanding of, you know, because Masi and to your point, people often will yell at me and scream at me, uh, or and some will be much more civil in terms of their discussion and their disagreement with me when they talk about, you know, teams and leagues and situations in a much more romantic type of sense. And and I get it, seeing Girona here and what they are doing, it is worth the time, it is worth the praise, but also recognizing how you go about having this romantic (laughs) situation happen, which is spend a lot of money and have people come in that have an incredible amount of wealth. And that's how you get to this point. So the little engine that could, uh, you know, that that sounds good, but that's really not the situation that is happening here. And again, that's not necessarily a problem. This machine that is the uh, Citigroup has shown that they can do wonderful things, and it's you know, so it's it's not a it's not a crime, nor do I think it's a bad thing for people to have money, whether it's individuals or entities but how that is spent can produce good and bad things in this case this is bringing up a team to a level that let's be honest they would not be able to achieve without this now that says a whole lot about more about the structure and we've just gotten done talking about the parity and the manufactured parity when it comes to major league soccer and this is a very different type of structure and the only way that some of these teams are going to change their fortunes is to amass a fortune or to have somebody come in that has a fortune willing to spend it on you. And again, this isn't to take away the scouting and the structure that that money has been able to provide, but this is not this little engine that could, that, uh, that sounds good in terms of, a, of the narrative and in terms of story uh, of storytelling, but I'm here for, it, and I'm excited and that it's coming in the face of two other major juggernauts when it comes to Barcelona, and Real Madrid, the amount of money that they, uh, they spend, the amount of oxygen that they sh- that they suck out of the La Liga atmosphere there. It's nice to see somebody different. That they got there this way, it really doesn't bother me that uh, doesn't bother me that much. But again, this isn't just about a, a story that's going to be the underdog that uh, that found a way to punch above their weight.
3: Now, can I put my Brazil hat on and go in a bit of a rant here?
2: I mean, I'm never one to stop you. I love it. Go for it, my friend.
3: Uh, City Football Group has really annoyed me in recent years because they've been able to sign a lot of young, promising South Americans, particularly Brazilians, based on this notion that if you sign with City Football Group, you're going to eventually end up at Manchester City. Whatever group, whatever team they send you at at first, it's just a pit stop and you're auditioning for Manchester City. And so players go to clubs that they would have never signed with directly, but somehow if it's done through City Football Group, it gives it this imprimatur of legitimacy And the problem is they never end up at Manchester City. It's beyond clear that Manchester City are not really a part of City Football Group. They exist on their own island. They sign their own players. And so if they wanna keep doing this, there's gonna have to be some proof of concept. And there's this Brazilian winger on Hirona, Savinho, who has been the revelation in La Liga this season. He got another assist today. This kid is absolutely phenomenal, 19 years old. And if he keeps doing what he's doing the rest of the season, he better be on Man City next season. Now, there are stories that both Real Madrid and Barcelona are tracking them. And if they come in with a massive offer next summer and City decide they want to cash in instead, okay, I guess I can live with that. But still, my preference would be for him to end up at Manchester City because that would show that, yes, there is that progression. If you sign with City Football Group and they send you to one of their other clubs and you do really well, that is a pathway to Manchester City. So far, that hasn't been the case, uh, which has kind of annoyed me. I don't know. What do you make of that?
2: Well I will I will say that that this is a common practice in for example, business, all right uh, and it's happened for years and years where they will send someone to you know I don't for example, uh, let's take a an auto company or something like that, sending someone to head up their European operation in the hopes that they will bring him or her back and that they are grooming them for. You know the bigger type of uh, of, uh, of platform and role going forward. So I, that in and of itself, I don't necessarily find problematic. I think where they would find where a City uh, Football Group might find it problematic is to your point. If they don't have proof of concept, if they aren't able to point to how that pathway works, and this is this applies to any type of developmental pathway out there, if you can't say, hey, this guy did this, and this is why it was the appropriate and right thing for him or her to do, because then they used that platform and went to here. And and MLS is doing the exact same thing. And so when they point to Miguel Almirón and others that have come to this what we would call a smaller or lesser type of platform and used it to get to where they ultimately want. So I don't, yeah. I mean, if if this is the case and the case study where they say this is proof of concept, that's great. But if they don't, if they aren't able to do that, then more and more, from a competitive standpoint, I'm not talking about the money standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, agents and players are going to say, that's all fine and well, you have a wonderful story and promises, 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 but I don't see that platform as value as you are making it out to be.
3: Yeah, there's also a Brazilian right back on this team, Jan Coto, who in Brazil won the under-17 World Cup in 2019. He was my favorite player on that team. I thought he was going to be a big star. It looked like he was going to sign with either Arsenal or Barcelona, and then City Football Group hijacked the deal at the last minute. He went to them. And he's just been loaned out to their different clubs and kind of lost momentum in his development. And I was about ready to give up on this guy, but he's playing great with Hirona this season. So he's another guy I'm keeping an eye on along that same vein of saying, if he plays well, does that mean there's a path to Man City? So we'll see how all of that goes. Um But uh, transitioning to Serie A, there's also a neat little underdog story in that league, uh, which is Lecce, which is near the top of the table. Uh, We'll we'll dig into them on a different day. Uh, But they host uh, defending champions Napoli this upcoming weekend. And Napoli is a story right now because of this crazy Victor Ossiman situation. So (laughs) this past uh, weekend, Napoli played to a nil-nil draw against Sean Sullivan's Bologna. Ossiman missed a penalty in that game, then got subbed out argued with Rudy Garcia, the manager. And then Napoli, on their official TikTok account, uh, posted a video mocking Ossimen, which he was furious about. His agent said he's thinking of suing the club. And there's talk that he's going to now force a move in January. Now, he did start and score today in their 4-1 home win over Udinese. So maybe that'll calm the waters a bit. But you know, we have a guy here at Fox who we've nicknamed TikTok Joe who runs our TikTok account. I do wonder <laughs> if whoever the TikTok Joe is at Napoli, uh, if he still has a job right now, because that is just a colossal mess. Of, why, why would you mock your own player?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange. Well, first off, it's strange. And I get it why he or anybody else would kind of say, hey, you know, you're supposed to be on my, my team and part of this team. And we all know that club social media accounts are there to promote and at times they are there to spin. And we all recognize that. And actually the best ones kind of are right on that edge where they, you know, they're not going to just shine stuff up if it isn't, if, if it isn't worthy, but they're also not going to go into footed on their own player in a situation like that. So I get why Oshiman uh, is, is angry and his anger, ages angry. I'm not sure if there's legal justification for suing. I mean, I don't understand how that would ultimately, uh, ultimately work. And I also don't, don't know necessarily if there's a, a bigger type of play here that is going on relative to his future. Uh, But this is, you know, it's a, it's a bad look. And this, this man or woman, whoever is behind the scenes that is in charge of it, I'm sure probably got a few emails, texts, uh, and maybe brought into an office to say, "Hey, this was dumb." And they would not be the first person to do something do something done. but i I do also have sympathy for the social media folks out there. If you're good, you're really, really good, and you are incredibly valuable. But the amount of content that you have to create and put out with a consistent basis, Eventually, you're going to get something wrong and it's going to be a tone or it's going to be a word uh, or it's going to be just the way that it is perceived, which is ultimately the only thing that's important by the public. And you'll probably get your uh, like I said, your uh, your knuckles wrapped by the uh, the powers of be and the leaders. And he's back on the field. He's back scoring. um, And so from a a Serie A perspective and uh, from a a player perspective, that's a that's a good thing. We also got Americans playing, right, Mossy?
3: Yes, another fun game this upcoming weekend. AC Milan will host Lazio. Uh, Milan victorious today, 3 1 away to Cagliari. Pulisic started, played well, assisted one goal, involved in another. Musa came on as a sub. So we'll see what their roles are this upcoming Sunday. But yeah, Pulisic back on track there.
2: Yeah, speaking of uh, Sean Sullivan, he he quickly made sure that we understood that this was an assist. From Polisic, but you know, again, our our red, white, and blue colored glasses just just touching the ball that then leads to the goal eventually. We'll 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 take credit and we will give credit when it comes to what's going on. But from a Polisic perspective, whether or not it's the greatest assist in the world, it doesn't really matter. He's on the field, he is starting. Musa continues to come off of the bench, and AC Milan won. And again, you're associated with another win and away win like that, so that's a good thing. Uh, good thing for Polisic.
3: And I mentioned Tati Castellanos earlier after a good season at Girona last season. He parlayed that into a 15 million euro move to Lazio this past summer. Lazio actually tried to sign this young Brazilian, Marcos Leonardo, first, but Santos played hardball. They couldn't agree on a deal. And so they went for Castellanos instead. Um, He knew going there that he was going to be the understudy, to Chido Immobile. But Immobile getting up there in age, I think he thought there was going to be more of a rotation. He'd get a couple of starts here and there. He has yet to start a game this season. He's played a total of like 50 minutes in seven games. So I did read the first little, ooh, was this a mistake for Castellanos to go there article in the last couple of days in the Argentinian media. So it is becoming a little bit of a story to keep an eye on.
4: Well,
2: I like him as a player, but we all know that a different circumstance, different surroundings, different team, different environment can, for some players, be the curse <laughs> and the kiss of death. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily the case here, but. You, you, we were talking earlier about opportunities and platforms and parlaying something into something else and something bigger and better. And that's what every player is hoping to do with their play. But especially goal scorers, we, just, we look at how many goals they have scored and we say, all right, well, if they did that there, then they should be able to do this here. And sometimes it doesn't always work out like that. And you know what? Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And you say, all right, well, that one didn't work out. And maybe in this pathway to wherever it is you want to go, that's theoretically at a higher level, instead of just being completely linear, linear, it's you you zig and you zag and you up and you down and two steps up and a step back. But ultimately, you get there. Maybe that's the pathway that Castellanos and others may have to take as opposed to just directly do not pass go do not collect 200, but go just straight to superstar.
3: Uh, In France, Monaco will play host to Marseille, Follerin Balogun with a chance to bounce back after those two missed penalties against Nice. We talked about all the issues at Marseille with the Ultras, which drove the coach out. Marcelino resigned. Breaking news today, Gennaro Gattuso will be his replacement. He's accepted that job, so he's willing to deal with all that nonsense but uh Balogun in Monaco well well
2: away. I mean look if you're going to if you're going to yell and scream and threaten somebody uh Gattuso you know he doesn't <laughs> suffer fools so maybe <laughs> he has maybe he has the back the backbone and the thick skin that is needed in that position and I talked about the ridiculousness that is that uh, that situation but to bring in somebody like I said that will give as good as he gets who knows maybe that's the uh, the solution
3: and Balogun yeah i mean look
2: again, we have this this savior type of image right now of Balogun. And and I think it's it's not unfair in that this position continues to be wide open. This continues to be a position of need for the U.S. men's national team going forward. And, you know, yes, he missed two penalties. And again, this will be a test for him from much more from a mental standpoint to be able to say, all right. That was not great. It's not something that you want to make a habit of. But as anybody from Eric Winalda to you know anybody else that it uh, that it's out there that sco- scores goals to it living, they will tell you that you have to be able to forget. And the quicker that you for- you can forget, the better off you're going to be. And when, uh, whether it's Balogun or anybody else, but from a U.S. perspective, I want him to forget and go out and do what he does uh, what he does so well. And be able to prove that all of this praise and all of this attention and all of this excitement that we have for him remains justified going forward, uh, whether it's against Germany coming up here in the next month or obviously in the next three years leading up to 2026. Uh,
3: Great one in Germany. Uh, Leipzig hosts Bayern. Leipzig tend to play Bayern tough. And they have one of the rising stars in European football right now in this, Xavi Simons, who was a La Masia product. PSG stole him away from Barcelona. Didn't get much playing time with PSG, so he asked to leave. They sold him to PSV Eindhoven last summer, but very intelligently included a buyback clause in that deal. Xavi Simons did great with PSV, but then PSG bought him back this summer and then loaned him out to Leipzig. We'll see what his long-term future is. He's already talking about wanting to stay at Leipzig, but you'd think PSG at some point would want to use him. Uh, but for now, he's at Leipzig. He's off to a great start. Three goals, four assists in the first five Bundesliga games, uh, facing Harry Kane and company here. Chavez Simons, who made his international debut for the Netherlands, coming on in the second half of that World Cup round the 16 game against the United States.
2: He's a Dutchman. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Dutch get richer. Yes. Uh, And what about uh, what about our friend Gio? Is he uh, is he ever going to take the field here? What's going on?
3: Well, yeah. Another player who came on in that uh, World Cup round the 16 game uh, between the U.S. and the Netherlands, Gio Reyna, uh, yet to play this season for Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund away to Hoffenheim this weekend. Hoffenheim have John Brooks starting in the center of defense. But uh, will we finally see Gio Reyna?
2: I mean, again, I I I hope so. But I mean, this is this is a real slow type of burn. And you would have thought that over the last couple of weeks, being on the bench, that he would would find a way to get him a couple of minutes uh, in the game. So eventually, it's going to come, and that that would be a good thing uh, going forward. But you know, you come off an injury, and again, we 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 talked about it. Maybe we don't mention it enough that you know, a fracture is not a small type of thing. But it's Giorena, and all of the baggage that is and will continue to be attached to Giorena, not just you know the the uh, the situation with Burhalter but also this potential star this potential savior again that if he were to realize his potential uh could do great things relative to the national team well until he gets on the field it's going to be hard and I know Matt Crocker said that as soon as he is healthy uh he will get called into the uh, into the national team well I would assume that being healthy would mean that you are actually playing soccer but who knows speaking of getting on the field in americans though let's uh, let's transition over to the epl shall we
3: yeah but can i say one thing about Gio before we move on oh yeah sure go ahead ahead. there are reports that ac milan are interested in acquiring him in january how about that if he were to join pulisic and musa at ac milan well if he's surplus
2: and yet and but he's healthy and it's just a situation where he can't get on the field because he can't break into that uh, that 11 i would think there would be plenty of teams out there that are you know kicking the tires on something like that. It'd be interesting to see what, if that were to be a deal, what that deal would look like and what in January of 2024, a Georina brings in terms of value. I'm talking about the actual money value.
3: Uh, as you mentioned on the topic of injured Americans, Tyler Adams finally uh, made his Bournemouth debut today. He came on in the second half of their League Cup win over Stoke City. So he's back. The question is, can you play enough minutes to where Greg Berhalter would feel comfortable bringing him in for this October window, the games against Germany and Ghana. Would you say, even if he doesn't play that much, you, you get Tyler back in the mix?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he is that... I think he's that important. But more importantly, I think that Greg Berhalter thinks that he is that important to his fortunes. Greg's fortunes and obviously the team's fortunes going forward. And so to have him back in that camp, even if it's not at full capacity... And you know, I do think that that's something that Greg Berhalter would do, especially with the limited amount of times that you're going to see. And there's even a, uh, you know, the the medical staff they want a chance to assess him too, as opposed to assessing him from uh, from afar. But this is great news. This is wonderful that he is able to actually not just step back on the field, step back on a field in a win. They have Arsenal in the uh, on the weekend, so we'll see if. You know, it's is a rapid type of progression for him, where he just got his feet wet today, and so far so good. But if you're a U.S. fan, you have to be happy at this moment to see Tyler Adams coming back from that, you know, massive injury that kept him out for many, many months. And you just got to hope that his, I guess, hamstring right now is back as good as new and holds when he is going on a consistent basis playing, starting, and doing the things that make him great which is back and forth playing at both ends and you know just being that you know that sergeant and that general that the u.s needs in that midfield
3: the big one in the premier league tottenham who coming off that 2-2 draw away to arsenal they now host liverpool we've talked plenty about tottenham and how good they're looking under Koglu. liverpool very impressive as well this season klopp has completely rebuilt that midfield both Zobelai and McAllister have slotted in very well. Nunez emerging up top. They are now second in the table, and I think they are the second best team in the Premier League this season and the team most likely to challenge Manchester City.
2: You think so, really? Yes. Ooh, okay. And why, why so?
3: Just think they're looking like Liverpool again. Boy, this Zobelai. You know, I, I went to Keith Costigan's uh, wedding recently, and he wouldn't shut up about the guy. Uh, he's more <laughs> in love with Zobelai than his wife. Um, so, yeah, he's been a fantastic signing for them. Uh, McAllister as well. Um, yeah. So I like this Liverpool team.
2: Okay, cool. All right. I mean, they're back, baby. Mo Salah uh, doing Mo Salah things. All right. All right, <laughs> all right listen, I listen, I'm here for you. I mean, I, it means that I have to listen, like you said, to Keith Costigan and uh, and our friend uh, Zach Kenworthy scream and yell about how great they are. And it was just a, a natural type of dip and they needed it. And it was, you know, one step back in order to go two steps forward. And it was the plan all along right now, but, uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's good to see, and I don't think there's a lot of people so far. Early days, who understand, but I don't think there's a whole lot of people that would uh, would disagree with you when it comes to when it comes to that. I still don't think, and I don't think you do necessarily that while they're going to challenge. I mean, you would still not put them on the level of Manchester City yet. No, right?
3: No, no, City clearly the favorites uh, to win it again. Yes. Cool, cool. All right, anything else? That's it. All right, let's take another quick
2: break. When we come back, it's time for Ask Alexi. Don't go anywhere. Okay, welcome back. It's time for Ask Alexi, that part of the show where you send in your comments, questions, and concerns. And you can use that hashtag, uh, Ask Alexi, on all the social media platforms. And by the way, our handle is S-O-T-U with Lexi, Or you can call our State of the Union podcast hotline, which is 657-549-2297. That is 657-549-2297. Now, let me just uh, quickly tell you something about the State of the Union podcast hotline. Uh, We love it. And we love the fact that so many people are calling. My only request is that be efficient, okay? Brevity is very, very important here. And uh, I, I, what what we don't like to have is a really, really good question that just goes on forever and ever and ever. Uh, in that case, if it's a really good question, like the one we have today, I think, uh, we have to edit that. But to the extent that you can edit yourself, and like I said use an economy of words, there's a much, much better chance that we are going to use it going forward. I love the fact that you called. It's it's wonderful. But I don't know. Prep a little beforehand and say this is what I'm going to say. Uh, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Mossy, what do we got uh,
3: this week? Uh, we've got a voicemail. Let's take a listen right now.
5: Uh, hey, guys. This is uh, Jalen from Delaware. Uh, I know we have the 2026 World Cup in the U.S. Um, coming up. but I wanted to skip ahead to the 2030 World Cup to see where y'all I think that should be hosted. Uh, I'm leaning towards South America uh, with the Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, and Paraguay uh, bid, just because I would, uh, for the historical part, with the 100 years uh, since the first World Cup in Uruguay, uh, I'm not a fan of the two continental bid. I think it should just be on one continent. I do uh, understand that with 48 teams, pretty much. The only country that could host 48 teams going forward would be the U.S. Uh, I think we're doing uh, Mexico and Canada a favor by letting them host with us. Uh, that's why I'm glad to see Saudi Arabia's bids pretty much been dropped out, which was supposed to be them, uh, Egypt, and Greece, which would have been three continents, which this, this is like a Taylor Twomit, what are we doing type of situation. Like uh, We're just not following the rules anymore. Uh, but I don't mean to go on a multi-like rant. Uh, but, yeah, I just want to know your thoughts.
2: All right. Uh, Thank you, Jalen from uh, Delaware. And yeah, we wouldn't want you to go on a Mossy light uh, rant because there's only one Mossy and that's the only one who should be ranting like that. But it's an interesting question. And I think there's going to be a lot of discussion as to what should happen. I think your view of it from a historical perspective, I think that that is romantic. I think that that will uh, certainly play a part in ultimately how this uh, is decided. But You know, you mentioned the Saudi Arabia thing, and I completely agree with you, uh, Jalen, in that I don't think that there should be multiple um, continents. Having said that, there are going to continue to be multiple countries. I just think that that is the way going forward for a number of different reasons. You mentioned the size, and there's only a few places from a size perspective that can do it. Yes, the U.S. is one of them, but it just makes a whole lot more sense in terms of accommodating the 48, for now, teams that you have, and also the recognition of... Um, facilities and what you are able uh, able to do. So I actually don't think it's going to go the opposite way. I think it's just going to get bigger, and there are going to be more and more teams. You mentioned the possibility of Argentina. Ch- oh man, this is this is ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jalen, uh, your question has been hijacked by Stu Holden and Rob Stone. They are. I know my. God, we're almost over here. I have enough of you already. Oh, I can't Maybe. believe this has happened. You know, the people that are listening to the pod out there that are running or in their cars or something like that, it's, it gets hijacked every once in a while. So I thank you, uh, Rob Stone and uh, Stu Holden for coming in and saying, saying hello. All of that is to say, uh, Jalen, that I don't know ultimately how this is going to happen. There's all sorts of politics and behind the scenes types of things that are happening. I will say this finally, the Saudi Arabia component For obvious reasons, is not going away, and we know that FIFA and the membership ultimately that votes they can be persuaded, and it was not a surprise necessarily, and certainly after uh, after what happened in December, not a surprise that FIFA went to a place like Qatar and a region of the world that they hadn't been before, and they will return and they will make a boatload of money, and there will be all sorts of screaming and yelling uh, going on, but Saudi Arabia. And that part of the world from a soccer perspective and a power perspective, uh, unless the water car is invented and nobody needs gas or oil or anything like that going forward, they are going to continue to use the power that they have and use these opportunities that they have going forward. But from a traditional type of, um, like I said, romantic notion, going back after 100 years to that neck of the woods certainly would be something that I think would appeal to a lot of people. Mossy, anything on this?
3: Yeah, I remember when Rio de Janeiro won the rights to host the 2016 Summer Olympics. Madrid was the other finalist. And everybody says the decisive moment was during Rio's presentation. They put up a map of the world with dots next to every city that had hosted the Olympics. And Europe was all filled up. Paris multiple times. London multiple times. Athens multiple times. Barcelona in 92 that I know you were involved in. Rome in 60. Berlin 36. Munich 72. Amsterdam, Antwerp, Stockholm, Helsinki, Uh, even in Asia, you had Tokyo, Seoul, Beijing, Uh, North America, you had Montreal in 76, Mexico City, 68, LA multiple times, Atlanta, St. Louis back in 1904. Meanwhile, South America was empty and there had never been a Summer Olympics in South America. And everybody looked at that and said, yeah, that's a problem. And sure enough, Rio ended up getting it. And there's a similar sensation here. South America, a continent that's given so much to the game. Only one of the last 12 World Cups has been in South America, which was Brazil in 2014. Now, part of the problem is Brazil is probably the only country in South America with the infrastructure to be able to host a World Cup on its own. They did give it to Colombia in 86, and they had to drop out, and Mexico stepped in at the last minute. So in order for it to be in South America, somewhere other than Brazil, it probably has to be a multi-country deal. And so, yeah, Yeah. Argentina, Uruguay, Chile and Paraguay have put together this four-country bid. And yeah, they are appealing to the sentimentality, too. The fact that the first World Cup was in Uruguay in 1930, so 2030 will be the 100th anniversary. So why not bring it home, so to speak? I think that argument will ultimately win the day. And I think uh, that bid will get it.
2: I will say this finally before we move on. The multiple country thing, I just think it takes something away from the World Cup. I mean, the part of what I love about the World Cup is the discovery and the celebration of a particular country and culture. And in no way would I say that Paraguay, is the same as Uruguay, is the same as Chile, or is the same as Argentina. And yes, they are all in the same continent, and yes, they are all neighbors, but they all have a distinct type of flavor, and they all have a distinct type of history and culture. And that's ultimately what an Olympics or a World Cup is celebrating. And you lose some of that when there are multiple uh, countries. But I don't think that we're going back. That, That train has left the station, and to your point, Masi, especially if Brazil's not involved, not only do they would they want to do this; it's the only way they, they uh, that they could do this. What else we got?
3: Last thing, uh, I do have. Although I favor South America, I do have a lot of time for. There's a Spain, Portugal, Morocco, uh, bid. It, there was always going to be Spain and Portugal. At, at one point, they talked about having Ukraine be that third country, which was just so cynical. I'm glad they got off that. And Morocco actually makes some sense from a geographical and logistical standpoint. It's right there on the other side of the Strait of Gibraltar. It's like an hour ferry ride from Spain, um, and so. And Morocco, you know, just missed out in 26 when the U.S., Mexico, and Canada got it. Uh, So I wouldn't be that upset if they went with that bid. Also, that would be a pretty cool World Cup as well. All right. Uh, Any questions? Any other questions we got? Yes. Uh, Joe from Ohio, utilizing the Apple podcast ratings uh, method, which we've been uh, suggesting people should. Um, Here's his question. Has there always been multiple levels of ball quality or is it a relatively new thing with relation to how long the game has been played? Like when you were growing up and then playing, was there training balls, competition balls, and match quality balls? What's your general thought about balls and the crazy prices of FIFA-approved match quality balls that go for $160 and up?
2: Oh, my friend, Joe. First off, thank you, Joe, for being the first in history to use the Apple Podcasts ratings mechanism to appear uh, in the Ask Alexi segment. And thank you. And for those that don't know Apple uh, Podcasts, the the rating system, we we encourage you to rate and leave reviews and you know if it's really really good that's a five-star review and if and when that happens we will look to your question to uh, to use it here on the podcast so congratulations joe uh joe you know i love a good discussion about balls uh when it comes to balls uh not all balls are created equally and the history of balls is fascinating and we could do a whole podcast on it Yes, back in the day, back in the 1900s, back when I was running around, the balls in terms of the quality were obviously uh, not what they are today. And the technology has advanced and therefore the construction and the play of the balls that are used has changed. Now, back when I was playing, there was no necessarily difference between the training balls and the game balls, other than maybe they were new, using new balls uh, during the actual games, as opposed to training that you use training after training after training. It's much more about the flight and the feel and the material that is used. For example, back uh, a while ago, we would play with balls that, and this happened even before my time, that would get so waterlogged and soaked that they would gain weight and massive weight. And it's one thing to actually kick a ball. It's another thing actually to head the ball. And it really changed not just the physical nature of heading the ball, but even the way that you played, because it would not be as true a uh, true a flight. As the technology advanced, not only did the balls become much more waterproof, and therefore the ability to play in multiple different types of uh, temperatures and 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 weathers, but they also, uh, as they advanced and the uh, the technology progressed, they were a truer type of flight. Now, I say that with this caveat. There was a point, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, where the ball started to take on the beach ball-esque type of quality. In, and you saw it with someone like Cristiano Ronaldo in the way that he hit the ball, because he recognized early on when those balls started to happen that they were created for him as opposed to goalkeepers. And if you hit them just right with that dead type of locked ankle, that you could actually get that beach ball, knuckle ball effect, uh, and that was you know a good thing. And he used, and they continue to use that uh, to their uh, to their advantage. But you know the the business of selling balls. I mean, one of the great things about soccer is all you need is a ball as a ball. And the definition of a soccer ball over the years is, yes, there is your traditional soccer ball, but it can be, you know, a bunch of garbage put into a sock and rolled up tight. It can be anything ultimately. And the quality of soccer balls has much more to do with the material that is used. But ultimately, if you're kicking a ball, you're kicking a ball Uh, And it's good. The price of the balls nowadays in terms of what is a good ball, the difference between a really, really good ball and just an average type of soccer ball, it's not that much. I know the price difference can be dramatic, but the actual playing of the ball is not that uh, is not that different. And uh, I hope that you, Joe, or anybody that uh, is out there has access to balls. That's the most simplest thing. It is when you really look at it also the cheapest way to introduce somebody uh, to soccer. And they don't have to be $160 by any stretch of the imagination to function as balls, to be able to work when it comes to playing the game, when it comes to developing, when it comes to touch and all those different things. So the technology when it comes to balls continues to advance, the technology when it comes to Obviously, you know, cleats and boots, whatever whatever you want to call them, that continues to advance and in a a good way. And it makes it easier and better and better ultimately for the game. I always wanted to try, Mossy, maybe one day to get one of those old balls and to actually have a generation that never functioned by playing with them and only functioned with the, the new most improved ball and see what the game would look like, how individually and collectively the game would play if they were using something from 50, 60 years in the past and how it might change the way they go about doing their business. That's it. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks again to uh, Joe and thanks to everybody for sending in your questions, whether it's like Joe over there on the Apple podcast ratings, or if you're uh, sending in a question, uh, like our friend Jalen, uh, Uh, sent in on the State of the Union podcast hotline at 657-549-2297. We'll take another quick break. We'll end up our show with our one for the road. Don't go anywhere.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK systems through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Okay, welcome back. It's the end of our show. And at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. And today it's uh, all my friends up in Seattle. You know, I I love to call them insufferable and they are. uh, But you know what? Credit where credit is due. And I love them. And they secretly love me. But credit where credit is due. Uh, They have just rebranded. You can call it a brand, or you can call it a crest, or you can call it a mark, or whatever it is that you want to call it. But the fact is that the aesthetic for the Seattle Sounders, a team that originates back in 1974, has been updated. And I love it. I think they did a wonderful job. Uh, I remember way back when I was involved with the rebrand of the Galaxy. And every little thing is looked at and picked over. And every little corner and color and design element is, is try, at least you try to give it some kind of meaning. A lot of that is lost. Ultimately, it shows up. And I always said that I think a good logo is something that a kid can draw. And I base a lot of that in my, you know, my background when it comes to music and, you know, watching bands and the marketing of bands and the brands that you could just draw on your jean jacket or on your lunchbox and stuff like that. And I think Seattle here has gone for a less is more approach. The Space Needle continues on, iconic when it comes to uh, Seattle and what it means and instantly recognizable. What they haven't done is anything in the brand That says anything soccer. So if you don't know anything about the Seattle Sounders and you see this, you have no idea what it is. And there's a lot of debate as to should an American soccer logo for or a for a soccer team, a professional team or any team for that matter, in 2023 have something that indicates that it is a soccer team. I'm okay with it. Uh, The fact that it doesn't have it, I like that it's simple. I like that it is clean. I like that it is memorable. And as I said before, I like that you can draw this on anything. And you know what? As I've learned, you are never, ever going to please anyone. First off, Seattle, the fact that you have done something to please me. I know for a lot of people there, that would get them to run in the wrong direction. But kudos and congratulations to the Seattle Sounders for coming up with a brand logo crest and i'm not going to read all the history as i said there's a whole narrative and story that comes with these things and every single point and star and like i said in color is given meaning there's meaning behind every single thing in this very simple type of crest doesn't matter to me i don't really care about it all i care about it is when i look at it i think that's cool that's something that i could draw on my jacket that's something that i could draw in my notebook that's something that now when i see it i will associate with my soccer team if I'm a Seattle Sounders fan. And if I'm on the outside, I'll figure it out, even though it doesn't say soccer anymore. So whoever was involved in the design, this is a less is more approach. Some will probably argue that it is too simple, that it is too bland. I'm okay with it because like I said, I think if you're gonna err, err when it comes to simplicity. And they have done that here and it looks wonderful. It says 1974 on it the year that they started. And I know they're incredibly proud and rightfully so of the heritage and the history that they have when it comes to soccer and everything that Seattle Sounders have meant on and off the field to that area of the country. And obviously to, uh, to Seattle.
3: What do you think Mossy? John Strong loves the 1974 also, because he is bullish that franchises like the Seattle Sounders and the Portland Timbers, the pre MLS history needs to be recognized. I know whenever we cover a Seattle Portland game, uh, John always tells me for like head-to-head stats and such, include the pre-MLS stuff as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, I agree. That is a nice touch.
2: Yeah, lean into it. Lean into it. It's what you are. It has uh, been a huge part of the Seattle culture for so long. I'm talking about the Seattle Sounders in, both, in all of their different forms uh, through the years. And when you say Seattle Sounders up there, people know what you're talking about. And now from an aesthetic Hopefully, when they see this, they will know exactly. And it's not too much of a departure from anything that has happened in the uh, in the past. But it's an updated, and as I said much more simple and clean type of look for uh, for this team. All right, Masi, uh, I'm going to head back out onto the water here uh, with my friends. Maybe they'll get me back up on the uh, water skis. I, I'll be honest with you. I was petrified when I was getting up there, but they made it very, very easy to do. My good friend Rob Stone even jumped into the water and helped me along uh, as I tried to get up onto the skis, which I did. Uh, and so I was really... I was proud of myself. So hopefully I'm here and nothing <laughs> nothing bad happens. But I'll be back down in uh, in L.A. Uh, to watch all of the different games. As I said, there's games tonight to watch. Uh, I'll be watching the presidential d- debate tonight. All those different things. So there's all sorts of fun, entertaining entertaining and interesting things to watch, whether it's on or off the soccer field. I'll see anything before we go?
3: You know what this Republican primary is? What's that? The Bundesliga. Uh, it's entertaining, uh-huh. but we all know who's going to win at the end. <laughs>
2: There you go. Well, listen, I I just like the fact that there are uh, people and politicians in this case that are in front uh, and in this type of setting where they can talk about the issues at hand because I think they are worth talking about whether one goes on to become the president or not. It's fun to see these debates and I enjoy it and I look at it in a certain sporting and competitive type of uh, way, although I recognize that it's it's dealing with stuff that's much more important than anything when it comes to kicking a ball or any type of sport out there. All right, my friends, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your sock. Uh, good luck to uh, the uh, the uh, the LaFC when it comes to campeones, and we'll uh, be interested to see whether Messi steps on the field for yet another opportunity in the final of the Open Cup here to win a trophy for Inter Miami as this uh, Inter Miami led. Uh, season continues uh, continues on when it comes uh, to Messi. Keep reviewing. Keep rating. Keep downloading. Keep doing all the different things that you do. Keep uh, sending those reviews when it comes to Apple and all those different platforms out there. We will talk to you again next week. And until then, and as always, from the mountains, I'm Alexi Lawless. We will see you next week and size the day.